You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Ireland. I'm not doing this. I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. We have the fallout of Week 11, the playoff picture. We will soon have our picks straight up and against spread. We do have the Thanksgiving Day slate of three games, so we need to turn the page quickly here this week, and we'll do that. Uh, programming reminder, we'll compress the week a little bit. We'll do a matchup Wednesday per usual there, and... Uh, take a break for the holiday, then we'll kind of mash up, match up Thursday and line up Friday. So we'll look a little bit at DFS, but also giving you the breakdown of the back half of the games here. We have another 15, only two teams on by. We'll talk about that later. The Chiefs and Cardinals are off, so two significant teams, but a lot of good action ahead in week 12. Before that, we have to look at what happened in week 11, so we know we can make better decisions, understand what's happening here, and, uh, figure out our best ways to move forward. So we'll do that. We have to look a little bit backwards. And we do that every week here on Roundup Monday to start Locked On Fantasy Football. Thanks for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We are free and available for you on all platforms. All right, let us start here with the game that we saw there in Buffalo. And with that, the only thing we're looking at, I'm looking at the sheet here, it's all... Jonathan Taylor. It's just crazy. Jonathan Taylor, 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 Taylor. Not much else to see there. Carson Wentz was uh, okay. He got a touchdown pass to Taylor, but he was basically a standby guy there. As Taylor went off, uh, Michael Pittman, the receiving core, didn't have to do anything. They just dominated the Bills, who were the number one team in fantasy football in stopping opposing running backs. So the Colts were actually number two. So these were two of the best run defenses. One showed up. The Bills didn't have any runners to speak up there, but Jonathan Taylor, what a game. He is now becoming a league winner. You probably took him at the back half of the first round of most drafts here, and uh, he's held up. I mean, a lot of things have disappointed. Injuries have struck the guys that you took earlier than him, but Jonathan Taylor has uh, played every week. He had a slow start, but then he's rolling now. It's a multiple touchdown, big yards from scrimmage every week. It's not going to go away. If he can do this in the toughest matchup, you're going to feel good about him doing it against the Buccaneers next week as well. Now, is he going to go off for five touchdowns? No. But he's a guy that has always got the floor of 100 from scrimmage and a score and can always build on that. So he's just looking really good. The second year back, a lot of experience, very fast, very powerful. So putting it all together here with no Derrick Henry, he's now the premier fantasy football asset here. And he's proving that no matter the matchup here. And, uh, gotta love Frank Wright, Carson Wentz, feeding this guy often every way they can get him the ball. So, really, he's the only takeaway from the Colts there. Their defense played well, but a lot of it was just Don Taylor grinding away at the Bills, so they didn't have a lot of opportunities. For Buffalo, uh, we look at uh, their situation, and really, Josh Allen put together the numbers. He did a little bit of running. He kind of salvaged his day with the two interceptions with the two short t- touchdown passes there to Stephon Diggs. 
Dawson Knox was their leading receiver coming back, so that was a good development there. If you were looking for Knox to get back on track, needed one game from the hand injury to kind of get settled in the offense. Cole Beasley was banged up. Emmanuel Sanders has kind of faded from this offense. So a lot of those shorter passes to Diggs and Knox. That's what teams are giving Allen at this point. That's where he's stuck. He's very impatient sometimes, wants to push the ball downfield. That's just not going to happen anymore. And the Bills also can't run their way out of it with their backs because they tried now Matt Breida. He was their leading rusher, so forget Zach Moss or Devin Singletary. With Breida giving a third option here, and the Bills still not producing much on the ground. There's not much to see here. They're very touchdown-dependent guys. They all were able to score last week, but nothing really happened this week. Diggs, you feel good about. I mean, he's really come on. It's kind of a regression for Josh Allen, though, that... Diggs has popped back up. That means he's relying a lot on one receiver, which is good if you have Diggs there as your wide receiver one. But overall, I think it's hurting Allen and his value. So Saints is not that easy here in Week 12, short week Thanksgiving. Can they turn it around? The Saints were run on quite a bit by the Eagles, and so we'll see if Josh Allen can get it done with his legs to kind of save his uh, fantasy numbers. But right now it's not very pretty here for what Buffalo is trying to do. We thought they were good a couple weeks ago. Then uh, they had that bad game against the Jaguars, so again, I think it's going to be more of a grind for this Bills offense. What we're seeing limitations are the offensive line's not that good. They can't run the ball consistently. Beasley and Sanders are more flash complementary receivers. Maybe they need to get Gabriel Davis involved, another young target there with Knox to complement Diggs, so some changes need to be made. Josh Allen's still back in QB1, but you just can't rank him that high and expect uh, the old Josh Allen numbers here week to week. Saints are an opportunity. You can throw on them, and some numbers have been put up there, but you're just sort of tempering your expectations for this entire offense. But again, Diggs is the guy that looks like he's going to get the ball consistently. I think Knox, again, developing more of a big role here. And out of necessity, they have a good chemistry as well. I mean, we know Diggs and Allen are off the charts, but Knox and Allen was also pretty good, and that's what you're going to see. When a quarterback's struggling, he's going to go to the guys he trusts most, and those are the two guys here in the Bills' offense, and again, forget about the running game with Breida now, just making it unusable for all three guys. Let's go to the Washington-Carolina game. The Washington football team, another team that wins on the road as underdogs here. Taylor Heineke balled out in that game. I mean, the Panthers' defense, they used to be kind of daunting, but now they're not. And Heineke just looked really good flinging the ball around. He had Terry McLaurin, who had a big game finally here. And some other guys involved. Here uh, we had Cam Sims involved uh, and uh, DeAndre Carter again. So Heineke's getting the job done spreading around. He has no Logan Thomas, no Curtis Samuel, no Ricky Seals-Jones, by the way. He was also on the shelf here. So Heineke, very surprising performance. He's also getting it done with his legs. So good fantasy football value uh, here. And they get the Seahawks here at home in Week 12. So maybe another streaming opportunity there. For Heineke, but Antonio Gibson looked pretty good. You wish he had a little bit more in the receiving game. That's been a problem. He's very touchdown dependent. He got near 100 yards rushing, but also lost a fumble in this game. So disappointing there for Gibson that we thought he was back on track there with that Tampa performance. But again, they need to get him involved in the passing game to really feel good about Gibson as more than an RB2 borderline with the flex. McLaurin, his scary Terry. I don't love that nickname. I much prefer the F1. That's what he looked like. They just could not cover him. And Heineke was on point with his passes there to McLaurin. So the principles for Washington, I mean, right now, Heineke's hard to trust more than a streamer. You want 
more touchdowns and more catches from Gibson to really feel good about playing in. But McLaurin locked in as a wide receiver, too, with some upside every single week. Now, the Panthers, DJ Moore back to relevancy here. Good design on the DJ Moore touchdown from Cam Newton. So they realized they weren't using him enough. So Moore gets back and does his fantasy thing here in this matchup. Newton, very good with a rushing touchdown, a couple of passing touchdowns as well. One to Moore and one on a nice design play to Christian McCaffrey. So the best by the weapons alone, Cam is being helped because you always have the threat of McCaffrey in the backfield, so that helps Cam's running. You also have McCaffrey and Moore who can get in the open field. So credit Joe Brady for getting the most out of Cam. Now, does Cam look like he's a world beater with his arm and all that? No. But they're designing things around him that are helpful. And Cam has uh, some appeal. They're playing the Dolphins this week. So there's that. And you figure uh, the other parts will keep him going here. So Cam Newton coming alive as a streamer. I was a little skeptical. I wanted to see it here to believe it in full-time mode. But... They're devising nice red zone plays for him, which really helps Cam's value because that's what he can do, and that's where he racks up the points. You got McCaffrey back in the end zone, more looking good. You're not going to extend Robbie Anderson anything more, but you really look at this team, it's very streamlined with its weapons uh, down to the big three. That certainly helps. You definitely cannot look at the Panthers' defense anymore, just falling apart here for Matt Rule and Phil Snow. Nothing that you would uh, avoid your fantasy players against either. Now let's uh, turn our attention to uh, the Ravens-Bears game. Uh, Lamar Jackson was a late scratch. The illness turned out to be a problem where he just couldn't uh, put it all together here. Non-COVID illness, so they had to go Tyler Huntley. We knew that was going to be a downgrade for everyone. He also didn't have Marquise Brown play with a thigh injury. So a little bit of surprise that there was no Jackson or Brown. The Ravens were rather running on empty with Huntley. Huntley was doing as best as he could here to move the ball. He did have a good rapport with Mark Andrews, and that really helped uh, that uh, he had Jalen Johnson to contain Rashad Bateman with no Brown. So Mark Andrews really looked good. He also had no Eddie Jackson or Khalil Mack for the Bears. So that opened things up in the middle of the field. So you had to like that, that Huntley and Andrews had a connection. Andrews didn't score a touchdown, but Devonta Freeman looked good, so so much for Latavius Murray coming back and uh, making more of a split. Freeman kept the hot hand status and had the game-winning touchdown of the game. So Freeman still has relevancy as an RB2 flex. Andrews balling out as a tight end one, even without the touchdowns. And again, we'll see the status of Marquise Brown going forward. Lamar should be back this week against Cleveland at home. So maybe a game uh, for them to get back on track here after a missed week. But yeah, it was a tough thing to deal with. If you had Lamar, you were prepared to play him, and then you didn't have Brown, and you couldn't really plug in Huntley, and it was just uh, very tough to deal with here on the early Sunday window. Now, let's look at the Bears side of things. Justin Fields, I really liked in this game. Now, I feel like if he had stayed in the game and they've schemed some things for him, things would have happened here, because Andy Dalton got going with Darnell Mooney and Marquise Goodwin later in the game, but yeah, Fields battered with the ribs. He couldn't last. He struggled while he was in there, but I think things were about to open up for him in the second half. So, yeah, bummer on Justin Fields. May have to miss the Lions matchup this week. And Andy Dalton has to be in there again. But Darnell Mooney now has proved to be matchup-proof. He's proved to be quarterback-proof. He's taken over as the wide receiver one, and all it took was an Allen Robinson. So, Allen Robinson not playing kind of shows the Bears their future. Robinson's a free agent. Missed the game with a hamstring, so... Mooney can act like a number one. We thought he was a speedy deep threat and could evolve from that, and he has. I mean, he looks very complete out there, and Mooney's pretty much an every week start as a wide receiver three. Uh, at this point, he's the biggest weapon that they have consistently. Cole Komet, 
Tight end was getting a bigger role, but didn't see a lot of action here. Yeah, Marquise Goodwin all of a sudden come alive, mainly with Robinson out here. David Montgomery still a little bit underwhelming here as the lead back with uh, Khalil Herbert and uh, looking at Damian Williams not being a big part of what they do. So Montgomery needs to get going. Maybe it's a get-well game against Detroit, but Mooney is kind of emerging as the Bears' fantasy football asset of the season here. And again, love Darnell Mooney all around. I mean, big plays, good route running. He's getting savvier with each game, so... He's here to stay, and I think he has wide receiver two upside for 2022. Let's turn attention to the Lions. Speaking of Lions, who the Bears are playing here on Thursday, this is the last game we'll get to in the segment, and then we'll get through the remaining nine games in our final two segment. The Lions, uh, DeAndre Swift keeps being the centerpiece of what the Lions do, even with their quarterback change, as uh, Jared Goff missed the game with an oblique injury, so you had the insertion of Tim Boyle. We thought David Blau would be there, but Boyle... Finally getting off an injured list here to be in action. So he was okay. Got TJ Hawkinson more involved. Really didn't do much of the wide receivers. Another low-scoring game here for the Lions. They seem to drag down the team they're playing as well. This is Browns caught, caught into this like the Steelers. But Swift getting fed the ball. It didn't really matter that Jamal Williams returned to, to kind of replace him with a complimentary back again with the Jamar Jefferson, the rookie, not playing. So a lot of Swift, Swift, and more Swift, and really nothing else to see here. Hawkinson. Was okay, put up some back end tight end one numbers, uh, rebounding from that zero from the week before. So at least uh, I see some of Boyle trying to at least make an effort to get the ball to some of these uh, players downfield. But still, Swift, RB1 borderline, given the way that they're using him, and Hawkinson still back in tight end one. And that really hasn't changed all season long with the way we approach the Lions. And not really going to extend against the Bears on Thursday to play more lines than we need to. The Browns, uh, it was the Nick Chubb show. We knew he was going to come back and take over the backfield to come from the COVID-19 list. He did that. He dominated. But after Jarvis Landry scored on a rushing attempt, he hurt his knee. So there wasn't much to see there with Baker Mayfield and the rest of this offense. So really pretty ugly. The tight ends, wide receivers, really nothing there that you can hang your helmet on with the Browns. So without Kareem Hunt, it's mostly about Chubb and only about Chubb. Their defense played pretty well, but you thought they could smash it a little bit more. I think yeah, now you pivot away from their defense with the Ravens coming, to, uh, going there in Baltimore to play that game. So I, I, I'm not going to Nick Chubb at this point is the only reliable fantasy asset. And we'll see about Jarvis Landry if he has to miss time with that injury. He wasn't doing all that much. Scored on a running play, so pretty much vultured Chubb, but didn't really do anything in the passing game. Austin Hooper, a tight end, was their leading receiver. So yeah, pretty bad out there. Baker Mayfield didn't talk to media. There's a lot of concern about his multiple injury now that... Includes his foot, his knee, his left shoulder. He's just not healthy. And you're seeing the results of that with a very limited, low ceiling, really low floor Browns passing game at this point. All right. We'll get into the next games in our final couple segments. Uh, but I have to tell you this. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch a game live. Another lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. And you've got your neighbor's best friends logged in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream and brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no more need to buy another device ever again the best part is there's no annual contract so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your tv together with direct tv you can learn more at directtv.com that's directtv.com for direct tv stream compatible device required content varies by package 
All right, let's continue the show, breaking down more of these games. Thanks again for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We're free available on all platforms. We're up to the 49ers-Jaguars game. Let's keep this one simple. 49ers offense, it's a Debo Samuel show. They didn't have uh, either uh, of their top two backs from early in the season, Elijah Mitchell, Jermichael Hasty. They thought it was going to be Jeff Wilson Jr. carrying the load. He did get 20 carries, but Debo Samuel was their most effective running back. So he scores on the ground. Another big game for Debo. Also had more involvement from George Kittle and the rest of this receiving court, Brandon Ayuk. So, yeah, the 49ers are playing really well with Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm here. Now, they didn't have to do a lot. The Jaguars really didn't show up in this game at all. So it was all 49ers. They had the long 13-minute drive to start the game, ended with a field goal. So you knew it was going to be a scoring bonanza. That, that sometimes happens. We saw that with the, the Patriots-Falcons game is that there was no fight from the Falcons. The Patriots really didn't have to do much. They could uh, slow down on the brakes and not give a lot of fantasy points. So you need sometimes what I call resistance, something from the other team to prompt the other team to put up big numbers and be aggressive and pass. And we didn't see that. At least uh, Jimmy Garoppolo got a couple touchdowns and got the, everyone involved here that needed to be. But yeah, the big letdown was the running game. 40 yards running game hasn't been all that explosive or spectacular. Maybe... They'll see more of Trey Sermon now if uh, Mitchell has to miss more time with a finger injury. And Wilson is not effective. So a lot of things still could be in flux here in the 49ers backfield. But it's a situation mostly I like to avoid because you thought it would really come through in this matchup. Now for the Jaguars. I have no idea what this offense is anymore. I mean, James Robinson did score, but it was underwhelming in terms of rushing production receiving. The biggest thing is that he was healthy for this game and put in there and played and gave you some decent to return there as an RB2. But... What are the Jaguars doing? They suddenly made a pivot back to Marvin Jones and LaVisca Schoen Jr. You had Jamal Agnew get hurt in this game. You also had Dan Arnold, who was a consistent part of what they were doing with Trevor Lawrence every single week, seeing massive targets. He gets targeted zero times this game. So it was like an overcorrection back to the wide receivers, where they should have been in the first place here, giving Jones and LaVisca Schoen Jr. some more opportunity. But yeah, I don't get it. The Jaguars are extremely hard to trust. Robinson's the only thing that you know is going to happen here after that early season where they got Carlos Hyde involved. And that could also mess up next year when Travis Etienne comes back. So I don't know what they're doing. They need to change offensive staff here. Daryl Bevel, Brian Schottenheimer not working here for what the Jaguars want to do. Again, everything on the Jaguars, even we try to extract value out of Agnew and Arnold, forget about it. It's James Robinson or nothing at this point on this Jaguars team. And poor Trevor Lawrence. He's got the talent to be a streaming quarterback, but he's completely unusable in fantasy at this point, given the offensive limitations with the skill and coaching. All right, let's talk about a better game for scoring. It was the Packers and Vikings. This was an absolute shootout. The Vikings outlast the Packers. Let's start with the Packers' takeaway here. No Aaron Jones. It was a pivot to more A.J. Dillon. It turned into a shootout where the Packers are trailing quite a bit and making up some ground, so that took Dillon out of the game. And the Vikings are a pretty decent run defense, but Dylan was still pretty effective in the yards from scrimmage, so he got that done. But Aaron Rodgers playing through the toe injury, throws for nearly 400 yards, get well game for Devontae Adams. Marquez Valdez-Scantling looked pretty good downfield with no Alan Lazard in this game. So really, MVS has some big play appeal now, but Adams, because of uh, no Lazard and uh, no Robert Tunyon, was going to see more targets. We also saw... Josiah DeGara with a touchdown. So they're trying to get him more involved to have some kind of replacement for Tunyon here in the offense. So, But they're going back to basics, throwing to tight end, throwing to Adams here, running the ball with Dylan. So 
Packers offense, uh, they weren't the problem this one. The Packers defense just couldn't slow down the Vikings. So this was the perfect game for the Vikings because you had all their entities go off here. Kirk Cousins at home against a weakened Packers pass defense. Check, that happened. Two touchdowns to Justin Jefferson, who's on fire now and uncoverable. He looks awesome. Adam Thielen still getting it done by enough volume and touchdowns. Dalvin Cook looking pretty good. So, yeah, the Vikings principles you got to love the Vikings week in and week out. You know you can just put in Jefferson, Thielen, and Cook. And now Cousins tied to it all and get good return on them every single week in a decent matchup. That's what you're getting. So Vikings 49ers, two teams that could give each other nice resistance here in week 12 and uh, make it a nice high-scoring game for us in fantasy. So let's hope that's the case. Two of the more reliable teams in terms of how they use their skill players at this point here in the late part of the 2021 season. But yeah. On Jefferson, on Thielen, on Cook, on Cousins. Not a lot of Conklin here, Jack or Tyler Conklin in this game for the Vikings. But again, their main guys get it done and they keep it simple. And that's what we like in fantasy football. Now let's turn to the Dolphins-Jets game. Uh, Jalen Waddell scores for the Dolphins on a rush. Uh, we also had Miles Gaskin score on a pass from Tua Tagovailoa, But they didn't really need that much here. The two have played decent, but the Jets didn't really provide enough there where the Dolphins were in control. So Gaskin came through, Waddle came through, Mike Gusecki was pretty good as well. So also an offense, uh, poor man's offense here where there's not a lot going on. But you know at least if they're right that Waddle, Gaskin, and Gusecki can get theirs. We just don't want to see these Mac Hollins uh, types at wide receiver or any of those players, Albert Wilson, do too much or the tight ends get a little bit messy with Gusecki. Dolphins were trying to get into that a little bit with Tua, but again, at least the guys came through here for the Dolphins, and they get the Panthers this weekend. A reeling defense, so that should help their principles of Waddle, Gusecki, and Gaskin one more time. Now, the Jets side of things, you had uh, Joe Flacco start over Mike White, replacing Zach Wilson. Wilson could be returning here just around the corner. We'll see about that, but they played Flacco because he wanted to beat the Dolphins' blitz. Knew that meant some good things for Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore goes off in this game, so Three straight big games. He's established now as the Jets' number one offensive weapon overall, especially with Michael Carter. Bummer there. He was looking really good, reeling off chunk runs there until he hurt his ankle and had to leave the game here there for the second half. So that was really a tough blow here if he had Carter because he was headed to well over 100 yards from scrimmage once again for this team. But then Elijah Moore stepped in as another rookie who just went off. Corey Davis uh, didn't feel it here with Joe Flacco, so... You talked to Elijah Moore all preseason, more about that Zach Wilson chemistry, but he's gotten it done with Mike White, he's gotten it done with Josh Johnson, he's gotten it done with Joe Flacco. That just tells you Elijah Moore is a special talent here and should be, again, like Darnell Mooney in your lineups every week at this point, a wide receiver three with a wide receiver two upside and beyond for the Jets. So we'll see about Carter. It's going to be messy between Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson if they have to replace him that way. Again, Corey Davis cooling off on. I wouldn't also chase Jameson Crowder. He had... Random uh, back to uh, relevancy game in this one, but still more at this point is the only Jets wide receiver I'm going with, even over uh, Corey Davis, who's uh, not looked right since coming back from his injury quite yet. And maybe Wilson coming back could change that because Wilson and Davis had some good chemistry early. And the big thing is we want Wilson to make sure that Moore keeps it up here with what he's done with the other three quarterbacks in his place. The next game we'll go to is the Saints-Eagles game. This was a rough game for the Saints, but... Really, Trevor Simeon ends up with some uh, random good production here, spreading the ball around to the wide receivers and tight ends. So that's the hard thing. This week was a Traquan Smith leading receiver game. 
with uh, Adam Troutman doing damage. And we've seen before it's been Deontay Harris. And Marcus Callaway also got in the end zone this game. So there are some things you can extract from the Saints' offense. They seem to find ways to score with some of these guys. I mean, at this point, uh, versus Harris or Callaway, Traquan Smith is the most consistent guy involved, but uh, he has a decent floor, but the ceiling is a little bit limited there. So, again, it's hard with Trevor Simeon spreading the ball around to really feel good about anything. Was this the Adam Troutman breakout game? We've been looking for it to be a bigger factor in the Saints' offense. We'll see. I mean, they do get the Bills this week, and the Bills are pretty tough all around, so not a game to kind of mess around experiment with their wide receivers or anything like that. They also missed Alvin Kamara. They did have Mark Ingram play really well against the Titans, but Alvin Kamara, they you could have used his receiving skills in this one and just his spry legs and get all over the field. There's the Eagles really struggled to cover backs and they weren't very good against running backs. So again, the Mark Ingram plug and play is okay, but again, this is what separates Kamara from other backs is that he would have got it done a little bit to help. And also a strange development, as much as we load Taysom Hill sometimes, we want to see him in there to get the Saints offense moving. So he came in with a little bit of an injury here. They didn't really wrinkle him in there with Simeon. So that's been the biggest surprise is that Sean Payton, ever since that Jameis Winston went down, he thought that's when he was going to use Hill more. But again, Hill having that injury probably changed his mind on wanting to insert him, even though uh, things weren't going great for Simeon and he dug themselves a big hole. Now, the Eagles running game, I mean, it's a little bit fluky because uh, the Saints are pretty good against the run, and a lot of their production was Jalen Hurts. But Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, that combination was a little too much for the Saints here. As uh, Sanders came back, he squashed the fantasy value of Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. Howard got hurt in this game. Kenneth Gainwell, once the promising rookie here behind Sanders, he was inactive for this game. So the Eagles offense starting to look good, but it's still flowing through only a few people. Hurts as a QB1 every week and getting it done with his legs. Three rushing touchdowns here, so that caps the upside of Sanders and these other backs because Hurts gets in. You had Dallas Goddard nearly in the end zone, but played through the, coming back from the concussion pr- pretty well here. Devonta Smith a little bit bottled up, but the Eagles ran so well in this game that they didn't have to really throw too much, and the game script was in their favor. So there was that, and the Eagles' defense came through one more time with Darius Slay here with a big play. So another... Defensive touchdown for him, three in the past four weeks. So, yeah, Eagles are coming together a little bit here to contend a little bit more, and they look better than the Saints really overall as an offense for fantasy football. The next game we'll look at is the Titans and Texans. This was an ugly game in the weather conditions. The Texans pull off the upset to get two rushing touchdowns from Tyrod Taylor, but nothing to see there between Rex Burkhead and David Johnson and Phil Lindsay. This committee got worse, much like the Bills committee, where there's nothing there that we could like. The Texans, three-headed monster, avoid, 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 especially when Taylor's touchdowns with his rushing. Brandon Cook's disappointing game. Nico Collins getting a little bit more of an opportunity after the bye. So, Brandon Cook's, I mean, we thought he was going to do a lot in this game against the Titans, but again, the weather was bad. We didn't expect the Texans to play with a positive game script, the Titans chasing, and that also really hurt Brandon Cooks because they wanted to grind things out in the elements and just steal this win, which the Texans were able to do here. But watch for Collins versus Cooks there, but the backfield is bad. You can't trust Tyrod with his low passing volume here. So they do play the Jets this week, so there's an opportunity to get some of those players going there. So keep that in mind. Another good uh, spot here for the Houston Offense to maybe uh, surprise a little bit. But again, they didn't do a lot here still in this win over the Titans. Ryan Tannehill was the biggest letdown of the week. He did get some work there in the passing game, but 
Also had all the interceptions. The running game was a disaster because they added another body in there. Even with uh, Jeremy McNichols out, they added Dontrell Hilliard. He was the receiving back, kind of Dante Foreman's work. They gave Adrian Peterson a little bit too much work again in this game. So Titans offense, an absolute mess. You lost Marcus Johnson to a hamstring. You lost uh, A.J. Brown to a chest injury. So, yeah, this offense dwindling very quickly. Nick Westbrook-Akini and... Uh, Des Fitzpatrick were their best wide receivers in the end of this game. So it's a, it's a grind for the Titans. There's just no one there to replace Derrick Henry. Peterson hasn't quite worked out. He got stuffed on a fourth down play. Foreman looked good the past few weeks, but they pivoted to Hilliard more in the receiving role. So this committee is just absolutely ugly here that the Titans are trying to replace Derrick Henry with, and the results just haven't been there either. All right, we still have four more games to talk about. We'll do that in our final segment here. Uh, from Sunday. These are the late afternoon games through the Sunday night game between the Steelers and Chargers. That was a wild fantasy one. We'll get to that. The takeaways there. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. If you haven't tried a Built Bar by now, you're missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or wax. You're just plain hard to choke down. A Built Bar is soft, covered in 100% chocolate. Real chocolate. When you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you swear you're eating a candy bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and like a dessert just in time here for a healthy Thanksgiving snack. Built Bar is a low-carb, low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, and high-protein. All the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious. They also have so many flavors. Another great thing about Built Bar Mouth-watering flavors include coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, cherry barcia. This month, Built is coming out with new limited-time flavors every three to four days. They'll also have a Black Friday sale later this week, so check their website out often. You don't want to miss out. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. It's Thanksgiving, and we know all that it means football. And nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. Bet online has you covered all holiday season. More props and odds and lines than ever before for you. Bet online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website this time today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code locked on to receive your bonus. And it's not just football. Bet online is prone college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, and even your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, we're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. All right, let's uh, continue here, breaking down the rest of the games the, from uh, Sunday and the reaction there. We're in the late afternoon window here. The Bengals took on the Raiders, and the Bengals disappointing game for Joe Burrow. Again, we talk about resistance. The Raiders didn't provide much at all with Derek Carr. We thought this could be a shootout. Instead, uh, the Raiders just didn't show up yet again at home for a big game when they really needed to win. So Joe Burrow, not a lot. He did have the touchdown pass to Jamar Chase, but Chase didn't really do much after that, around that. That's because they ran the ball at will with Joe Mixon. The Raiders just wilted against the run. So Joe Mixon was the Joe that uh, was the ultimate pro in this one with a couple touchdowns. He put the game away. You had Evan McPherson doing his thing, kicking. The Bengals' defense played pretty well, so... We want the Bengals in shootouts to help Jamar Chase, to help Joe Burrow. We need that. Again, that other team doing something. But the Bengals were in complete control of this game for pretty much all of it here. Just built their lead slowly here. So, again, much like that 49ers-Jaguars game, much like the Patriots-Falcons game, 
needed the Raiders to show up, and they were terrible in this one. So, again, Joe Burrow will have better days, especially if there's someone on the other side who will compete, and I think maybe they'll come out against the Steelers this week who uh, played very good offense on Sunday night. Now, Derek Carr is struggling. The running backs are dead. Josh Jacobs and Kenny Drake are doing absolutely nothing. You don't really have a downfield threat, so it's really down to uh, Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. Waller had a nice game here working against the Bengals' uh, defense, but unfortunately Foster Moreau had the touchdown there from Carr. So it was uh, pretty bad here for Carr. He gets the garbage numbers there to put up something decent, but yeah. No running game. Jacobs and Drake have just disappeared from any kind of relevancy here of late. Highly disappointing all around from the Raiders, and I don't know if it's going to get better in a short week against the Cowboys defense that really overachieved against the Chiefs here on Sunday. Now, the Cowboys are the next team we'll look at here. The Cowboys wide receivers were a mess. Noah Mari Cooper, he was ruled out late in the week with the coronavirus, so he's going to miss two games because he can't turn around and play against the Raiders, his former team, this week. So, bummer there for Mari Cooper. CeeDee Lamb was going up for a touchdown. He got hurt. They had an interception by Dak Prescott. Lamb had a concussion, so tough turnaround to get Lamb cleared for Thursday as well. So, yeah, Dak Prescott, no touchdowns there for Prescott. They couldn't get going with Ezekiel Elliott. Tony Pollard looks like their best weapon at this game, but, yeah. Cowboys, another clunker, their second offensive one they've had in recent memory with the Broncos as well. So, what is it about these AFC West teams that give the Cowboys problems, but I don't think the Raiders are going to do that. So, I think it's going to be a get-well game, but I also see Dak Prescott... Not throwing as much if the Raiders are struggling like this. So, no Cooper, no Lamb. It's going to be Michael Gallup time. A lot of more Dalton Schultz, who is the leading receiver here for the Cowboys. I think they'll throw more to Elliott Pollard. Elliott played through an injury. He's definitely affected, but he's a tough guy. He's going to be out there trying to help his team, especially with Pollard in line to maybe look better and take his job away. So, again, we'll see what the Cowboys do. But disappointing that a team that scores two touchdowns every week, even that garbage debacle against the Broncos, couldn't find the end zone once here in Kansas City. Speaking of Kansas City, they struggled as well. Got the principals doing their thing. Travis Kelsey scored on a rushing play. He was a pretty good receiver overall. Tyreek Hill was okay, but they used the offense kind of to move the ball, move the chains. Uh, they also had two rushing touchdowns, and Mahomes didn't have any through the air. So no passing touchdowns from either Mahomes or Prescott. That sums up this year quite a bit. Clyde Edwards-Alaire returned. He looked pretty good. Took over from Daryl Williams right away. He scores a touchdown on the ground. So two rushes there from Kelsey and C.H. again in the end zone. And the Chiefs offense not completely right. But the Cowboys defense still doesn't get enough credit the way it plays here. Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs and their linebackers and they're active up front. So Dan Quinn give a lot of credit. I don't think it was just the Chiefs struggling on themselves. But they don't bend or break here. So the Chiefs had to be patient. They kind of had to grind this game out. So... Things will be better. I think the buy is much needed here for the Chiefs. Get everything right here. Figure out what you're doing. Who's your complimentary target to Hill and Kelsey? CH will be a little bit healthier out of this. So, again, Mahomes didn't show up this week, but make sure you have a good Mahomes contingency plan here for the Chiefs' buy. The Cardinals are also on buy this week with uh, Colt McCoy taking him in there with another victory. So he was able to beat the 49ers, takes care of the Seahawks. So two big division wins there, sandwiching that Panthers game that they lost at home. So McCoy looked great, threw for 300 yards for the first time in a long time, spread the ball around, made Zach Ertz dent the end zone without DeAndre Hopkins. So use Zach Ertz well, use uh, Christian Kirk and Rondo Moore. So a lot of dinking and dunking for McCoy, which was his MO from his past stints here in the NFL. Made it work. I mean, Rondo Moore, double-digit receptions here. Ertz with the 
two touchdowns in this game. So it's by committee a little bit. You really can't trust A.J. Green and Christian Kirk because of those usages there for Ertz and Moore. You figure after their bye, we'll get DeAndre Hopkins back from the hamstring. We'll get Kyler Murray back from the ankle. That's why they're playing it careful. So And it paid off. When you win a game, get to 9-2, and two, and you don't play your main guys, it's good for reality perspective. It was tough for fantasy, but again, I think you want a fully healthy Murray and Hopkins there versus being rushed back and having an aggravation there with the ankle or hamstring. So that's what they're going to provide here. So, again, be patient. If you're Kyler Murray, a manager, you should get him back next week. DeAndre Hopkins has been farther removed from returning. He doesn't usually miss games, however. So you figure he'll be back, and this Cardinals offense will look more like the Cardinals offense. Still, you'd think they'd be wary of running of running Murray much here this season. Going forward to preserve him for the playoffs. Seahawks pretty bad here. Tyler Lockett did come through, but everything else was pretty ugly here for the Seahawks. Uh, Russell Wilson just not looking right through the finger, not looking right and comfortable in the Shane Waldron offense anymore. Maybe the rust of not playing in it. DK Metcalf, it's been hard to get him open and productive here, so Lockett is the old security blanket there, but not much to see from Gerald Everett at tight end. Alex Collins is his replacement running game for one... Chris Carson is now done here with the neck surgery. He's out for the season. Collins hasn't been getting it done. They keep force-feeding it to him. But DJ Dallas provides a spark. Maybe DJ Dallas will see a bigger role against the Washington football team. He was one of their best players last year filling in for Carson. So I'm surprised it's taken them this long. But, again, that affinity for Collins, I think, has really hurt the Seahawks. So I think it's just bad coaching overall from Pete Carroll, rating in the offense a little bit with Waldron. Wilson not getting the groove. Is he pouting about this team not being very good? Does he want to be out of there? At 33, so a lot of things going on with the Seahawks, but completely dysfunctional. At least he got the game from Lockett. Now when you get a game from Metcalf, maybe we'll get against the Washington football team's defense here in week number 12 on uh, Monday Night Football, by the way, in the nation's capital between Washington and the other Washington. Let's close the show looking at the Seahawks. Uh, sorry, the Seahawks Steelers uh, will transition to the Steelers-Chargers game. So a lot of stuff going on there with a lot of S's and the Seahawks already played the Steelers. The Steelers now had to play the Chargers. Good fantasy game overall for them. Najee Harris, uh, we thought he was going to do a lot more against his weak Chargers run defense, but the game script was bad. The Chargers uh, overachieved up front, and the Steelers had some offensive line injuries. Uh, they lost two left guards. Uh, Kevin Dotson was an IR. Then they lost a replacement there, Hassenhauer, who was playing in for him. They were also without Trey Turner. So the interior offensive line struggled. The Chargers overachieved in this one. So it was... Uh, Good defensive effort by the Chargers, but the Steelers did get going. Ben Roethlisberger in the passing game, that's where he did most of his damage. He got touchdowns to Eric Ebron, Pat Freermuth. Deontay Johnson looked really good in this game. We knew they were going to contain the big plays to Chase Claypool, which happened to some degree, but Claypool returning really helped Johnson as a threat downfield. Freermuth playing off Ebron here. Harris getting in the end zone. So, shootout between these two teams allowed uh, some fantasy numbers to be salvaged here, but... We thought it could be much bigger for Harris, but it was a pleasant surprise that Johnson in the passing game did a little bit more than we expected in this game. It's Chargers. Now, the Chargers, what didn't go right for the Chargers? Uh, Not much. Justin Herbert did throw an interception that was tipped by Cameron Hayward that was intercepted Cameron Sutton. We thought the Chargers were going to lose a close game, but what happened? They even gave up a go-ahead field goal, but Justin Herbert, what a player. I mean, nearly 100 yards rushing. He just had a lot of room to run. Wide open spaces with no... Joe Hayden out there in the back end. No Minka Fitzpatrick on the back end. No TJ Watt up front. They had more injuries. So the Steelers' defense was a shell of itself. 
And we saw Herbert take advantage of that, running, throwing downfield. Mike Williams had a get-well game. His knee looked finally good again. So we weren't sure about it. They were keeping it under wraps. But now that speed was back there in the downfield. The big play to win the game there. Down the sideline, incredible there. Austin Eckler, outstanding running job. Just juking these Steelers uh, linebackers in the open field. He had two on the ground, through as a receiver, so Justin Herbert just on fire, dealing to these guys. Keenan Allen, nearly 100-yard game here. So Chargers offense is back. They're going to really exploit a team like the Steelers that are shorthanded in a lot of places. They can beat you in multiple ways here with Joe Lombardi. We saw that. Again, when Herbert and Eckler are buzzing like that, it's a lot of fun to watch and very fantasy fruitful, as we saw. So Eckler finishes the RB2 overall in the week behind Taylor, Herbert, just smashed it as the RB1 with his running and passing. So good stuff all around in this game from the Chargers here. In To close the game, and they had all that uh, defensive pressure too late to shut it down on the Steelers. All right, there's a look at all the games there from the action from yesterday's games. Uh, again, uh, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Fantasy Football. Again, it'll be a short week. We'll do the Pickup Tuesday at the Waiver Wire tomorrow. Then we'll do a matchup Wednesday. We'll take a break on Thanksgiving and come back with a matchup Friday, lineup Friday, mashup there for you. Check out Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for road gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. For Locked on Fantasy Football, this has been Vinny Iyer. Have a great day, and we'll see you there on Tuesday for waiver wire advice.